podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. If you've been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I. Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. go i can hear you now can you hear me that's weird i don't know what just happened there that was weird well you know what if it wouldn't be a 10 12 show without some sort of technical difficulties right Philip? <laughs> it's our first time and anytime you try something for the first time you have to expect some issues and problems and kinks to work out it's fine we're all friends here uh We've got uh, myself and Andy. I see Jamie is listening in. Brandon from Raspy Voice Kids. We've got our 1012 Network Synergy going. Uh, show fan. I think JSJ fan is more appropriate. Harry, thanks for joining us here. I see one guest. Not sure who it is, but welcome. Welcome. Uh, hop in the chat if you want to do so. All right. We're going to talk about uh, the men's and the women's brackets, both uh, the Big 12 teams that were on there. Uh, and, and Jamie, I'm, I'm going to save the uh, the Iowa State women's stuff uh, in case you get available. So if at any point you do, uh, just request to join in. I know you've got some thoughts you want to share, and I would be remiss if I talked about it before uh, you had a chance to. So let's hop with the men's bracket. Let's go ahead and start there. Oh, oh, Jamie wants to talk. Let's just start with it off the top. I love it. Let's do it right away. We're getting Brandon. I was say I'm going to be honest. I think I think Jamie's takes on the women's bracket are probably the strongest, <laughs> the strongest takes anyone's going to have all night. So let's let's lead out with a bang. I love it. Yeah, I'm I'm in the car, so I'm good. Yes, your husband's driving. That's perfect. Okay. Yes. Uh, so Jamie, uh, <clears throat> Iowa State with the three seed uh, in the they don't call it East West South Midwest like the men's does. Whatever. Uh, I was with a three seed. I was a little surprised. I thought they were going to be able to get a two. Um, but I don't think that's your biggest issue. Uh, nope. We lost Jamie for a second. I think Jamie's biggest issue, from what I understand, is, is less to do with Iowa State as a three and more to do with the potential uh, two seed they might have to face in the Sweet 16. Yeah, it's – I mean, look, I was cool with us dropping to a three. Like, it happens, and it's so much more about, like, the matchups – but then to raise Iowa to a two seed just to keep us paired together, like 
there's not a bracketologist that had Iowa up to a two seed. Like they've played amazing down the stretch. That's fine. But like, I feel like the committee sat down with their book of stats and then a list of desired narratives right next to it. I think that's fair. I mean, we've talked about on the show a lot how much the committee for the women's bracket tends to stick to the net and, and really follow it almost to a T, sometimes I think to to the detriment of the tournament. Iowa getting a two-seed is such an outlier from that kind of standard that they have followed up to this point. And, and look, if they're going to adjust away from just tried and true following the net to a T, great. But it's it's so weird that like it's such a drastic situation and a weird situation. Yeah, that it's Iowa, like very selective to use it when it's convenient because you want to. <laughs> well, since we're talking Iowa State, Jamie, I'm just curious. How do you feel about the just that first round matchup against UT Arling for them? The potential mm-hmm. of a, of a matchup with Georgia, uh, yeah. and of course Iowa, and the rest of that bracket that they were that they were stuck in. So actually, there's some really interesting things going on with the group of teams that are being sent to Ames because um, there is going to be a first four game between DePaul and Dayton. And first of all, you've got an incredible freshman by the name of Anissa Morrow at DePaul. She's incredible. And then Dayton actually... they. There's, there's definitely maybe some intention at play here because one of the people on Dayton's staff is a former Iowa State player. So she's going to be there in Ames for the first four game and then if they continue winning. So that'll be super interesting. UT Arlington, I really just started doing my research, you know, as soon as everything was announced. I'm sitting next to my mom who immediately pulls out her laptop and starts downloading stuff. So I kind of did the same, but... They don't have a ton of major height, which is on its face a pretty good thing. I'll have to dive in a little bit more. But, you know, their star player is a 6'2 post who I believe her first name is Star also. So that'll be really interesting. Um, They're athletic. I know that I think they, they score a good amount of points. So we'll have to see. I need to do a little bit more research there. But Georgia, if they do, you know, go chalk in their first round is it, it's interesting because Jenna Sadie's a really, really solid six four post. She can be really physical, and that's something that Iowa State has struggled with at times. But Georgia has also struggled with really good guard heavy teams at or yeah, at times. So I don't know. It'll be it'll be really interesting. There's no one that I look at that like I I absolutely do not want to face them. I absolutely do not want to face this team or this person. But there's no one I'm looking at and being like, oh well, this is a cakewalk. Which you shouldn't have that mindset when you get to the postseason, anyway. In my opinion. Can I just say that I'm a little confused about what you guys are talking about because last I heard, the tournaments were going to be canceled this year. That's what I heard <laughs> out of Morgantown, anyway. So. Men's and women's, just FYI. Philip, I'm not sure if you are still or don't realize that you're muted or not. Of course but, I am. Uh, of course I'm muted. This is technology, and I'm having to do something new. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Brandon. Uh, that, of course, is Brandon of Raspy Voice Kids. Brandon, I thought that you guys are on to baseball now, right? It's baseball season in Morgantown? It's definitely baseball season. It should be baseball season everywhere. College baseball is underrepresented. I don't know why we're not talking about it. Randy Maisie's doing an amazing job, and I'm sure you guys are all jealous. So, Fantastic. 
Uh, Jamie, while we've got you, um, why don't we just kind of look at some of the other, uh, some of the rest of the women's bracket? I don't have any problems starting with there whatsoever. Uh, Baylor and Texas both getting two seeds. I see Kansas uh, with an eight seed, Kansas State getting the nine. I know Kansas State fans are disappointed considering where they were the first time they put out the top uh, 16 seeded teams. I'm trying to come through this real quick. Sorry if it's hard to put down the kids when the brackets are filled. Oklahoma with a four. There we go. I knew there was one more. Uh, Jamie, just your, your thoughts on on, uh, on some of the other Big 12 teams who made it in and, and some of the roads they have. Which ones do you feel are either the most interesting or perhaps just the most challenging? Well, I don't I, – I should have, like, filled out a bracket as we were going, but now I can't pull it up on my phone because I'm doing this, and I also don't know how technology works. So I'll say that Oklahoma did themselves major, major favors by – beating Baylor. I know there was some questions down the stretch of whether they would still have the opportunity to host. And so those kind of big wins, I think really made the difference. I saw, I can't pull the teams off the top of my head that were kind of right after them in contention, the top couple five seeds. But I know that when I was looking at the breakdowns, they just didn't have the same really top high quality wins that Oklahoma did. And so it's really big for the big 12 to have four teams hosting. Obviously it gives them an opportunity to showcase the schools a little bit better and the areas a little bit better. So for conferences to get that many is always really nice. Kansas and Kansas state both being on the eight or the nine line is tough because I know that Kansas maybe would have put together an argument for bumping themselves up when they had, you know, they had so many close games that if they would have gotten one or two more of those or maybe won that first game down in Kansas City. They could have gotten past that line and maybe up to a seven, which is usually a little bit friendlier. Um, but, hey, you know, we talk about in the postseason all the time at Iowa State is big, you know, tough games are big opportunities. And so you're looking at it, you say, well, you've got what should be on paper a fairly evenly matched game in the first one. And so if you're – you know, K-State or Kansas. Kansas feels like they've been really underrated all season because no one had any expectations. And so they had to work so much harder to get any attention. And I mean, that's just factual. There was so many times where their resume should have had them ranked and they weren't. And then you have K-State who started off so strong, faltered a little bit down the stretch. So much of that has to do with the fact that the Big 12 plays each other twice. So many of their rougher games came in the second round through where some of those Big 12 opponents had started to kind of figure them out. These opponents aren't going to know Kansas State like the Big 12 does. And so if I'm a one seed, I mean, they're they're generally pretty cocky. They're They're confident. They're going into it. But having a Big 12 team as your potential second round matchup is not an enticing proposition whatsoever. And so I certainly think that the Big 12 has put themselves in a spot to do well in the postseason. The one thing to really watch out for that we've seen some in the past is that on both the men's and women's sides, I've been talking about this a lot this weekend for obvious reasons, the Big 12 is a really, really physical conference to even a more significant extent than pretty much any other conference in the country and depending on you know the team in the sec but when you get to the postseason sometimes you end up struggling a little bit just because 
refs will call it a little bit tighter because nationally the game is called tighter than it is in the Big 12. And so you could see a team like Texas going out and maybe having some early struggles if they can't adjust to the way things are officiated. So once I get into the brackets, I'll, I'll try and, you know, have a little bit more thoughts that I can put out on Twitter and all that fun stuff. But I do think that the Big 12 is in a position to do really well this year, even if a couple of their teams are seated a little bit lower than they would have liked to be. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Hey. Hi, Trenton. How are you? Welcome to the show, man. Uh, what would uh, what would you like to say, sir? Um, I have this. Uh, I am a music producer. I have been working on music. And I want to have a conversation with you guys that I've been having this idea of this new TV series that I'm doing. And it's a crime drama TV series. And it's called Legacy. Based on real life. It's based on real life situations. And I thought if I um, come to you guys and share with you guys and, you know, want to cast you because I don't have anybody else to cast. So, I mean... Tritton, I, I yeah. appreciate that, man. Uh, we're, we're, we're recording a podcast tonight, so um, good luck with your project, dude. I, I appreciate you hopping in here, but um, I think we're going to we're gonna stick with our topic at hand, which is um, the men's and women's NCAA brackets that were just released and, and talking about those. Oh, well, I apologize for bothering you, you know, if I, if I did something wrong. No, you're good, man. If you want to hang out and listen, you're welcome to do so. Uh, don't take this the wrong way. I'm going to remove you as a speaker, and we're going to keep going from there. Um, okay. Uh, so, like... so Philip, I'm, I'm going to jump on to the, to the women's bracket, specifically Kansas, because obviously that's what I know best. I know that they were hoping, um, I, I think they almost kind of got the worst case scenario here where beating Oklahoma, but then losing to them in the first game in the, in the big 12 tournament didn't do them enough to either, you know, drop down to a 10 to get off of the eight, nine line or jump them up to a seven to get off the eight, nine line. Um, but, but to Jamie's point, like, I do think that, that I, I know that the Kansas, uh, staff and the Kansas players think that they match up really well against some of these ones, the, the potential one seeds. Um, there was actually a quote I, I, that I can't find where they were talking about, you know, the style of play that you see in the big 12 prepares you for some of those bigger teams and some of the, the higher seeds because they play a style, especially that the top teams tend to play a style that's much more similar to the big 12 than what the national game is as a whole. And so I, I definitely think that those lower seeds in Kansas and Kansas state are, aren't going to have as big of a difference in their first couple games as maybe a team like a Texas or a Baylor, because they're going to be playing from these teams from smaller leagues that, you know, don't necessarily play as physical a style as, as Jamie was talking about. So it'll be interesting to kind of see that, that dichotomy of the different teams in terms of who their opponent is and how they have to adjust to it. Once we get to the second weekend, assuming that, you know, any, any of these teams that make it to the second weekend, those are typically teams that are playing that sort of style. And so the Big 12 will, will I think, flourish once they can get teams to the second weekend. It's just a matter of how many can they get there. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, I mean, let's, I, I, I'm just going to looking at the bracket. My fingers are crossed for an Oklahoma-Kansas State matchup in the Sweet 16. I mean, because that's, which is also a little bit like they only got six teams in and, and, and you, you set that up. And I realize that you don't see a ton of upsets of one seeds early on because they get to play at home. But still, like, to even have that there is strange. Uh, Baylor with a two, I thought maybe 
maybe Baylor could get a one seed, but they couldn't couldn't break through. Still, I like the I like the route that they have. Texas with a two seed as well. Um, they have an interesting one. I would love to see a Texas Arkansas matchup just because of those two fan bases and how much they uh, tend to dislike each other very much. I'll be interested to see what Kansas does. Man, I just I, look. I'm I'm going to be blunt. Like we have Jamie on here for a reason. Uh, she's going to be better at this. <laughs> I checked. I checked my matchups. Okay. All right, Jamie. So, oh, so Oklahoma is really interesting because they play IUPUI, who has been dominant this year in conference. This is their first ever trip to the NCAA tournament. They qualified back in 2020 when the tournament was canceled. So this is their first trip. They also are going to have a familiar face on the opposite sideline because Maddie Wise, who played here at Iowa State, actually grad transferred over to there with her um, extra year of eligibility due to COVID. And we still love her and are cheering for her. She transferred over there to be closer to family, some, some family stuff. And so they will be, I mean, obviously I'm a little bit on the bias side because, you know, we think Maddie's great. We love her, but gosh, they have some really, really impressive players. They have a great post player who I think might be able to give Maddie Williams, you know, some trouble guarding her down low, but then you can also throw a guard on her outside. Maddie Williams has been incredible incredible has really elevated her game lately so she's definitely going to be one who's going to have to perform really well but that's probably to my eyes the most difficult 413 matchup in the entire bracket like that's a really really tough draw if you're Oklahoma you're not thrilled about that but you have it at home so you're happy and then as far as the one seed matchups for both Kansas and Kansas State. Kansas would be paired up with Stanford, who is a weird team because, you know, they they have some they, – they mostly look really, really good, but they also don't play quite as stiff of competition. And so I'd be really interested just to see how that goes because so much of their offense goes through, you know, Cameron Brink. She's a really tall, slender post. I really think Tiana Jackson – uh, will be key if they end up getting we lost Jamie. We lost Jamie. I would say I think we I think we just lost Jamie. I think kind of to pick up on her point though about Tiana Jackson, um, you know, I think she's gonna be the key to Kansas, much like Ayoka Lee is gonna be the key to Kansas State because of the difference in physicality. Jackson has had some issues for KU of, you know, getting into foul trouble pretty early, and that changes the way that Kansas has to play. Um, and so if she is going to run into a situation either against Georgia Tech or if they advance against Stanford where she's not going to be able to be on the floor for large portions of the game, it's going to be not impossible but fairly difficult for Iowana Hatsleonti or Chandler Prater to step up and kind of replicate the production that Jackson can get on the inside Jackson in the game against Oklahoma in the big 12 tournament actually passed the overall uh, like the, the single season record for blocks in a season by a KU player. So she is the best shot blocker that Kansas has, has ever seen in a single season. Um, she's going to have to continue that though, for them to make any kind of noise in the, in the tournament this, this week. All right, so we lost Jamie. Um, Andy, do you have Andy, Brandon, Albie, Harry? Anybody want to share any final thoughts on the on the women's bracket uh, before we move over to the men's side? 
I will just say I was I was a little surprised to see Texas jump all the way up to a two. I mean, I understand that they were a strong team all year long. And, I mean, it, it almost seems to me like what they just did is that when Texas won the Big 12 tournament, they just swapped Iowa State and Texas. Um, but I, I think I was a little surprised that even with that win there that they were able to jump up to a two. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's not like a huge gripe or anything. It just caught me a little bit off guard. Uh, Harry, you want to talk about the Sooners, or do you have some some movie roles you want us to try out for? Uh, no, we're good. Uh, we're good either way. Uh, I think that Jamie was right in saying that it was so huge that, and I think it was big that the NCAA kind of took that into consideration because you have to remember those games were played so early in the conference uh, conference slate with Oklahoma and Baylor, and I'm glad that they were still kind of able to to keep an eye on that. And obviously, Baylor has gotten way better since that point. You watched the game yesterday. You can all, you can obviously see that. I don't think that. You, you know, you don't just go out and beat a beam team by 20 points. And and, and you, you could see that that team has improved. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but Baylor, Baylor won the Big 12 regular season for a reason. They got incredibly hot down the stretch. Uh, I still think Oklahoma's a good team. I still think Iowa State's a good team. Um, Texas, I, I'm Texas winning the Big 12 cha- like tournament. Like is that the te- is this the Texas we thought we would see coming into the season on the win side? Are they finally rounding into form, or you know it's a it's a conference tournament? You know how much does it really matter? Well, and kind of to that point, because Jamie was was previewing the conference tournament over on my podcast with me, and Texas was the team that we were the most confused about because they have been an up and down team all year long, where they go through a two week stretch where they're just absolutely lights out. And then go through another two-week stretch where it seems like they have real serious problems with middle-of-the-pack teams. So I'm not sure if this is something that's going to continue for them. I sure hope so for the Big 12's sake. But, you know, if, if you're looking for a potential upset candidate for a team that just inexplicably doesn't perform to their te- their potential, Texas has shown that propensity this year. I'm hoping that they've kind of shaken it off. But it's definitely a possibility for them. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Texas in the final was today was pretty impressive. And, you know, for me to say it, it's, it means something because, you know, I don't like giving Texas compliments. But they're pretty impressive today. Uh, getting that two seed, I didn't, I thought there would be a three seed, to be honest. So I, I kind of agree with, I think Jamie has said it, that it seemed like their win today flipped them in Iowa State because I saw Iowa State at the three was kind of surprising to me. Um, but, yeah, no, Texas today was pretty impressive. Um, and, and I can't tell if Baylor looked beatable. Or if it's just Texas. Well, the thing you got to remember is that Melissa Smith went down, like was limited. I think it was middle of the second quarter that she dealt with an injury. So the the fact that Melissa Smith had a really bad game because of injury, I think definitely affected what Baylor was trying to do. And they, they didn't never really seem to recover. They, they started to play really well towards the end of the game. I'm not saying that Texas wouldn't have won anyway, but it definitely seemed to kind of help the cause there to make it so that, Baylor couldn't perform as best as they possibly could. I, I, again, I don't want to take anything away from Texas because Rory Harmon especially played absolutely phenomenally in that game. She was all over the place and really the entire tournament. But I do wonder, you know, I, I don't think I can knock Baylor down a peg at all because of, you know, you, you lose player of the year in the conference for any sort of stretch of that game against high-level competition, and it really affects how you can yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, Baylor's still likely going to be my final four pick uh, out of the Wichita region. 
Um, though Louisville is really good, and I'm, that Elite Eight game is going to be very exciting. I'm gonna be, I'm I'm going with if Melissa Smith is fully healthy, arguably the best player in the nation, in my more most talented player in the nation, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I'd probably go. I'm, I'm, and I haven't fell out of the bracket yet, but Baylor is a final four picks. Probably the main thing I'm going to say on the women's side, Baylor in the final four is probably going to be my pick. Um, and everywhere else, I still got to kind of look into it. I know I'm picking South Carolina to win the whole thing and I don't know why else I wouldn't. Uh, but everything else, as far as on the big 12 side, I, I, I see at least three sweet 16, at least three sweet 16 teams. Just looking at it right now, but Baylor for sure, Texas probably. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that's that's. Uh, I think half your teams that get into the dance, make it to the Sweet Sixteen, would be a successful uh, postseason for the Big Twelve. Obviously, you'd hope you get a couple who go a little bit further than that, but I think that would be a solid uh, first weekend if we could at least see half the teams make it. Uh, okay, uh, before we get to the men's side, home field apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you have ever seen. Look, this is normally where I plug the, like, use the promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2, and get 15% off your first order. But, folks, oh, boy. Homefield's like, hey, it's the third month madness. Let's do some crazy stuff. I'm sorry. They call it third month mania. They're doing mystery boxes. Yes, mystery boxes. These mystery boxes, uh, there are seven options, including one that is three T's for 45 bucks. Repeat that. That's normally like $96. It's $45 for three of the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel t-shirts you have ever put on. Uh, they've got seven different options as far as these combination boxes. They've got one that's a crew neck and a tee for 60 bucks. They've got one that's a hoodie and a tee for 60 bucks. Those are normally like $100. That combination, you're going to get it for 60. You don't know what you're going to get. And and look, go scroll through homefieldapparel.com and all of the great stuff they have for more than a hundred different schools, including big 12 schools like Texas Tech, West Virginia, Texas, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Baylor, future teams like Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, and BYU. And I, at a certain point, you're just going to go like, oh, well, I don't care what I get. It's going to be awesome. So um, if you have things, specific things in mind you want to go take advantage of, use our promo code, Network12, 15% off your first order. If not, I'm, I'm going to buy a mystery box. Like, I don't... You can get one T-shirt for twenty bucks. How do I not do three T's for forty-five dollars? Like, how am I gonna how am I gonna say no to that? I'm not. I'm not gonna say no. Let's get three new home field apparel T-shirts and cross my fingers that one of them is either Delaware, uh, Tulane, or then I just I can't even think of all the amazing ones that I would be happy to have. So, homefieldapparel.com. Take advantage of their third month mania mystery box uh, special going on, and just keep an eye on their Twitter account through March Madness uh, at Homefield. That's A-P-P-A-R-L. Keep an eye on the brand on the Twitter. Uh, they've got a lot of stuff that's coming, and it's all going to be awesome. March Madness is almost here, which means it's time to turn your podcasting ears to Midwest Madness to make sure that you know what's going on with all the Big 12 teams heading into the tournament. I know that you want to know where to put them once they're seated. I know you want to know for sure who they're going to be. And I got you. Don't worry. Just be sure you're listening to Midwest Madness. We'll be getting into bracketology. We're going to be getting into seating. We're going to get into updates on every single game that happens during the tournament, and you're not going to want to miss it. So be sure to listen to Midwest Madness wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Men's side. Let's start with, look, six teams got in. Only one team was left out. 
Uh, and that is Oklahoma, who we now know who was the second team out once the bracket was revealed. Here's all I'm going to say about that. Um, going into the day, I felt very confident Oklahoma was not going to make it for a variety of reasons. OU's road record is not good. And we never talk about road record, but the committee always seems to bring it up as something that matters. They went three and eight on the road. Okay, at the true road, not neutral. I don't want to hear about neutral site stuff. True road games, they went three and eight. Not great. They won. Everyone likes to combine the quad one and two. Well, they were 10 and they got 10 quad one and two wins. They were four and 12 in quad one. Like, congrats, you got four. I know Wyoming, Wyoming had, Wyoming had four. Like, Wyoming got in. They had four quad one wins. They had nine opportunities. You had 16. Like, Oklahoma had plenty of opportunities. The biggest thing was, and shouts to Matt, uh, Matt Norlander of CBS Sports pointed this out. Last year excluded because there were a lot of shortened seasons, uh, shortened schedules. Last year excluded. Only four times in the history of the NCAA tournament has a team with a record three games or fewer over 500 gotten in the tournament. I didn't think Oklahoma was getting in. Once they lost, I thought if they beat Texas Tech, they were locked. But when they didn't, when they lost to Texas Tech, it was over. And then it comes out. Then the bracket is revealed. And what do we see? <laughs> Michigan gets in comfortably. Michigan, who is now the fifth team, whose record at the end of the season is three games over 500 to get in, with a resume that's not really that much better. It's pretty on par with Oklahoma's. They're six spots better in the net. They're a few spots lower in Ken Palm. Uh, let's see, so Oklahoma is 30th in Ken Palm, Michigan is 33rd. Like, they're pretty comparable. Michigan got in comfortably. Oklahoma was one, it was the second team left out. The Big Ten got nine teams in. And I, and I have said this a couple of times. Like, I don't like that the Big 12 is going to stick with their current conference slate once the new teams arrive and we go back to 12. The Big Ten has benefited by going to 20 conference games. It has benefited. They, I think they have gotten more teams in every year. I'm not so much upset that OU didn't get in. I'm more upset that the Big Ten got the um, undue credit they did whilst being the demonstratively second-best conference far behind the Big 12, and Oklahoma gets left out. It's not that Oklahoma got left out. It's that Oklahoma got left out while Rutgers got in and Michigan got in comfortably. That bothers me more. Like, Notre Dame plays in a terrible ACC. That bothers me more. but I, it's the big 10 thing the big 10 thing it's just i can't i can't wrap my head around the big 10 thing i don't understand it i don't understand it. i don't understand notre dame really like what what is on their resume that is better than than oklahoma they're, they're 11 and 1 in quad 3 11 of their 21 wins are quad 3 I, I, i'm not mad oklahoma didn't get in i'm more mad that some of the teams who did get in ahead of them and the big 10 favoritism that is so undue and undeserved Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, I had resigned myself to the fact that Oklahoma wasn't going to make it, especially when we saw Richmond, you know, pull off an upset, which, by the way, I know some people that are huge Richmond fans, so I was really happy for them, even though it meant that Oklahoma probably wasn't going to be able to make it at that point. Um, it, you know, it, it's also one of those things, I I like to subscribe to the the idea that if you put yourself on the bubble, you can't really complain when you don't make it. However, like you said, there is definitely... Um, room for wondering how certain decisions were made in terms of relative rankings, um, which I think is the nicest way to put it, because I agree with you. Rutgers, 
Dame, both of them. I I don't know that that made sense. Um, yeah, honestly, I, all four of the well, I, I was happy to see Wyoming make it. I, I will say that because I thought that Wyoming was a um, a team that was going to end up you know on the outside as one that uh, I, I probably have a bias more towards the mid majors because they don't necessarily get as many opportunities, uh, you know, especially compared to some of these other major conference teams that have a ton of opportunities and just can't win the games. But it, it, it definitely, maybe this is like a, a hole in my, in, in the way that I think about it, but I'm specifically thinking of teams where you have really bad bottom of the conferences. So like an ACC this year, um, or even to an extent, the big 10, where they are getting the benefit of the doubt because there's three or four teams that are absolutely fantastic. I'm not including the big 12 in that because I think everybody, you know, in, for the most part, everybody in the big 12 was a good team this year, at least not a bad team. And so yes, Oklahoma struggled to get some of the wins that they needed, but they struggled against a lot of really good teams, not like some of these other teams that made it in that struggled against not so great teams. So yeah, I was, I was a little shocked by some of the teams that actually did make it in, but I do agree with you. I kind of resigned myself to the fact that Oklahoma was not going to be able to make it in long before the actual selection. I'm I'm with you, Andy, in the, in the idea and the thought process of if you're like, you're on the bubble, you got to win more games, right? And you also not only win more games, I mean, you got a tournament to get in. I mean, we saw Virginia Tech do that. Virginia Tech was right where Oklahoma is, um, right where, where Texas A&M is. And they went on a run. They beat Duke, won their ACC tournament. They got the automatic bid. Oklahoma had that opportunity to beat Texas Tech and then potentially beat Kansas in the final. They weren't able to do it. So I don't feel bad. And I also, I almost never, ever feel bad for Oklahoma in general. There's enough good things that happen. <laughs> they don't need, I don't need to feel bad for them at all whatsoever. But I will say, I will say the Big Ten favoritism is, is ridiculous. Nine teams from the second best conference in the country to get into the tournament. It's kind of wild. Um, I I do like Rutgers. I do like Ron Harper Jr. They are also the worst net team to ever make the NCAA tournament with a net ranking of 77th. It's pretty wild for them to get in, right? Notre Dame is not a now, mind you, I'm saying I'm saying this about Rutgers and Notre Dame, and I'm probably gonna predict them to win a win in the first round because that's just how these things work. But neither one of those teams I thought were teams that probably deserved to get in, even though. They, you know, they're, they're okay teams. They're decent teams. But 77 net ranking, again, the tournament is pretty wild. Uh, Oklahoma also is going to be the fourth highest net ranked team to miss the tournament in the, in the short-lived net rank, uh, uh, NET ranking. So it's, it's a, lot of like, a lot of things that you look at there and you say, well, how does Oklahoma miss it? How does uh, Texas A&M miss it again? Don't feel bad for them not making it either. But those no. are two teams that are very highly ranked on the net side. Very, their resumes both say – or both stream to teams that should be in the tournament, but they're not. But, you know, if ifs were fits, we'd all be drunk. I mean, I think one big takeaway from from seeing the bracket, they didn't care what happened in the tournaments this year, which is very different from, from the past. Typically, the tournaments mattered. What you did in the tournament mattered. And I don't really feel like it did, like at all. Looking at Virginia Tech, See- they end up as an 11 seed. Like, I don't, if they don't win the tournament, they're not in. Like I just Tennessee wins the SEC tournament and like I think they had an argument for it too. Like I just I look around and I say A and M made the run they did. It didn't help them. I don't think the committee actually gave what happened in the tournaments as much credence as they have in the past. 
I think it's a recent. Like, I think recently, because remember they they redid this whole thing a couple of years ago when they introduced and everything like that. And I've actually thought this for the last couple of years that the the conference tournaments have really faded from what is what you need to do in those conference tournaments. It's really changed a lot of things to where they don't really look at it. I think also like talking about conference tournaments, conferences really need to think about moving it off the last day. I know Big Twelve already did that, but like I, I really think schools like or conferences like the SEC, um, like the Big Ten games that were played today had held, held no bearing on what actually – I know they can say they did. They didn't. You, if you Nothing that happened today or, hell, even last night really mattered. It kind of seemed as if they had their, their brackets done, finished a couple week, a couple nights ago, and then maybe made some tweaks here or there but called it a day at that point. I mean, I'll, a good example, I'll talk about Texas Tech a little bit. It doesn't really seem like – Texas Tech wins two good games, a game against – uh, Iowa State and Oklahoma gets the final and they lose to what the committee considers the third best team in the country, yet we're still the worst three seed. It seems, and, it, and I don't think, had we lost Iowa State on day one of the Big 12 tournament, I don't think we dropped down to the four seed. Most likely we're still the worst third seed. So it doesn't really seem like anything that really happened in the last couple of days meant anything unless you went. Yeah, I mean, I really think what it's come down to, because they do talk about how they have, you know, multiple different bracket possibilities, depending on what those last days are and everything. But I, I think they've geared more towards a, we are only going to make a change based off it if it doesn't require a big revision to the bracket. Because I think that's really what it is. Like, to move Virginia Tech off of that 11, um, you know, it would have required, well, one, I think that actually was what got them to the 11. I think Virginia Tech might have had an argument you know, if they had lost the the game against Duke, they might have had an argument to be like one of the play-in teams, and then you would have just swapped someone. But but something where like Texas Tech would you know move off the three line or move or move up or or something to that effect, or honestly even moving off the three line down to the four line would have required to shift a lot of different teams around to make all the other bracketing principles work. Because I'm looking at the four seeds. I don't really see a four seed that they can just swap them with unless you were to do something like swap Arkansas and Texas, uh, you know, like that, that theoretically could happen. But if that's the case, that really doesn't change much. Um, so like, it's one of those things where I think they've, they've almost gone path of least resistance where unless it's like a situation, if like Auburn and Kentucky were both in the SEC championship and it would get one of them to be a one seed and the other one would be a two seed and they could just flip flop them something to that effect like that they would do but for the most part they're just going to ignore it if they can Andy, uh take care of your dog man like don't don't leave him hanging that's not nice oh no he does that all the time he waits till i'm on the phone or something and then comes and whines so that i have to pet him because people make a comment about (laughs) the fact that i'm not petting him (laughs) make them he's smart for me he is, he is. Uh, Oklahoma now uh, a one seed in the NIT will open up on Tuesday against Missouri State. They have the opportunity to play at home all the way until the – whatever they call their Final Four that's in Madison Square Garden. So um, we'll see how Oklahoma performs. That dog's uh, cool. Shasta Corey on Twitter. But, yeah. but I think – But I actually think that works out best for y'all, to be honest. You're one of Porter Mose like that, in my opinion – like that that's a great building block as opposed to like a potential round one upset. Yeah, I was just about to say um uh two things about the bit about y'all's side of the tournament, the big boys. 
I think that uh, Jay Billis is that the guy on ESPN that played at Duke. I think that he said it best in that it, as far as you guys are concerned in the big tournament, it doesn't matter what happens today, unless you're unless you're like my Sooners and you're a seventh seed and you aren't even suspected to be in, and you go in and you win the darn thing. It, it doesn't really matter, and it shouldn't matter what you do in the postseason tournament. I'll say that about that uh, in your conference uh, uh, championship tournament. Now, about the OU thing, and this is what's interesting is you guys have to remember this too, and Jamie knows this. Oklahoma will host a uh, NCAA women's edition. Uh, so can you double host? That would be a big thing. Uh, what you would have to do in that case, I guess, is if they were to beat Bonaventure on Tuesday, if you play Friday, uh, you do it that way, and then Saturday get ready for the big tournament, or you hold it off to Monday. That's the big thing, too. That would be a big thing. And I really don't want to go out to Boulder. I really don't want to do that, but you got to do what you got to do, boys. We'll see how that goes. Well, I think, I think it's easier for for that, right, because the NIT games are, are earlier than the, the women's tournaments. I think where it's more difficult is like Dayton. Dayton really has a, a problem in their hands right now because they're supposed to be hosting the, their NIT games the same time the first four games are played. Most likely Dayton won't be able to do it. Most likely Dayton will, gonna be the, is going to be the team that's going to have to travel even though they're the home seed. But for Oklahoma, you're playing your first couple games in the NIT, I think, on like a, on a Wednesday versus the first round of the women's tournament will be on a, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which is a lot easier to host. Yeah, I, I believe they said on ESPN, Dayton will have to go to Toledo for their opening round game. Um, for Oklahoma, I've noticed with the NIT, it, it's a little more flexible on the scheduling. You'll notice that not every game is played on a, like, oh, we had to play. Like, you'll you'll have one one game played in a round, and then they'll play a bunch of next ones, and they'll play next. So I, I think the NIT schedule with the early round games are a little bit, a little bit more flexibility. First round is the 15th through the 16th. Second round is the 19th. So it's built, it's built to deal with this kind of thing. Um, I, I, Oklahoma should be fine. They should be able to play host because they are the one seed in their, their section. So they'll play host uh, for three straight games until they can get one, two. Yeah. Good. Um, That's exactly what I wanted to hear guys, because, uh, and and Andy, you know, this, uh, even from back in the big 12 days, you don't want to mess with those Colorado people. They're crazy, right? Oh gosh. No. Oh gosh. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's, uh, you know, I'm actually looking at the schedule too. Oklahoma's first games, like their games are on Saturday uh, from the women's side. So there's plenty of time for them to host in the NIT and then also be able to host. They're not hosting one of the first four matchups either. So they don't have to worry about that potentially interfering with it um, the way that like Iowa state does, because they have, you know, one of the first four matchups being hosted at Ames because they're doing them on location. So that, that will be helpful for Oklahoma to be able to host both of those. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be worried too much about it. And I, I do agree. I think this is this is probably the best case scenario where you are close enough to be considered an NCAA tournament team. You get all the extra publicity and the extra benefit of people talking about, hey, maybe you got snubbed, and then you can go back it up potentially by being a one seed in the NIT. And if you can make a big run there, you get all that extra practice time. You get all of the extra, you know, pomp and circumstance that goes with it being able to compete for an NIT title. And there are a lot of teams that have used an NIT title as a springboard to really move into the next season and make a big run at getting to the, to the NCAA tournament. So, you know, if, if yeah, you well, are an Oklahoma fan, you know, Porter Mosier in his first year, it's going to be a great opportunity for him to get needs to be successful next year with all of that extra practice. Time. Speaking quick, the big thing, speaking of such a quick turnaround, I can get that out now. 
and you saw that, and now they aren't really considered a basketball school, but they've done it again. TCU's in it again. Remember what happened that first year when they kicked uh, what's-his-face out of Pittsburgh is they got they got him in. They went all the way to the NIT championship round. Now, I know they lost to Texas in that, but they got all the way to the championship round, and now look, now they're now they're another solid team in the NCAA tournament for the Big 12. I uh, want to speak to that whole conversation about Oklahoma it being a benefit to them for being in NIT. The important thing, whenever you're discussing whether or not you would prefer to be in the NIT or have an early round exit in the NCAA tournament is the makeup of your team. If you're a young team, then yes, by all means, it's wonderful to go to the NIT, make them run, build some confidence, build some chemistry, springboard for the next year. But if you have any sort of seniority, if you have any sort of uh, age on your team, then the NCAA is all that matters. And it's all that anybody really remembers. And I know that when West Virginia, when people were talking about for WU, uh, we knew we weren't making the NCAA tournament. People were asking if we wanted to be in the NIT. And for me, it's more basketball. Anytime you get more basketball, it's beneficial for a fan base. And it's also beneficial for your young players. Uh, and, of course, Porter, Mo- Porter Moser being in his first year, it's good for him, too, to coach tournament in a tournament-style situation. Um, but we'll see what happens as we go forward. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's talk about the uh, the big boy tournament, as we referred to it. Uh, six Big 12 teams in Kansas and Baylor, both with one seed. was a little bit surprised uh, when, when that came out. Uh, Iowa State with an 11 seed, Texas with a six, Texas Tech with a three, and TCU with a nine. Yeah, nine, sorry. Um, I okay, wait, that. wait, real quick. You said you're surprised that both Baylor and Kansas got a one seed. Um, yes, I was. I, I'm curious. I really thought. I'm curious, yeah. after Auburn and Kentucky both lost in the SEC tournament, who would you have put on the one line other than Baylor as that fourth one? Well, but that's the problem. Baylor lost in their first-run game as well. So I, I, I thought – Auburn or Kentucky would get it and Baylor would be a two and it would just be a debate of, of which one. I didn't think Duke would. Um, I didn't think Villanova would. I really thought one of Auburn or Kentucky was going to get that one seed. And, and Baylor yeah, I just, I just felt like coming into the weekend, like coming into the conference tournaments, I think everybody was talking nationally. I mean, and, and you and I even were talking about this over on the Monday episode of that week. Like Baylor was the only team that was a number one in all of the brackets on bracket matrix going into the conference tournament. And so it's like, I think a lot of people solidly saw them as one of the top three teams and that loss there kind of dropped them down to, Hey, we're going to be like the low end of the one seats, but whoever wins the big 12 tournament, if it's Kansas or wins the sec tournament of either Auburn or Kentucky would jump up and be that third number one. I, I mean, I think it would have taken both Kansas winning and either Auburn or Kentucky being the other one in that SEC championship game for both of them to jump over Baylor. Like I, I almost felt like Baylor was a lock for a one coming into the week regardless. Well, no, I thought if, if Auburn or, or Kentucky could have won the SEC tournament, then it was a little bit more of a, of a nail biter. The second, the second, the semifinals passed the SEC tournament and neither of them even had a shot at winning it. I, I agree with Andy that it, it really didn't surprise me at that point. We kind of already knew. And as a Tech fan, I, that's what I wanted, right? Because I wanted if both Kansas and Baylor are one season, especially if Baylor is the is number four and they go out east, I'm thinking, okay, we have an actually pretty good shot at being a three seed in the south. Now, obviously, it didn't really matter. <laughs> as we're out west. But, like, but yeah, I, I think the one seed, Kansas and, and Baylor both being one seeds, didn't shock me, didn't surprise me, especially once Auburn and Kentucky both were out. 
I mean, yeah, and kind of to your point, I'll be there. Um, the the committee has shown in the past that they they don't want to do two different things. They don't want to overload one of the brackets with a lot of really strong teams. Like so like they wouldn't want you know the best two, three, and four all in the same bracket because they at least try to pretend like they're balancing them. The other thing too is that they are really loath to give a three or a four a distinct geographical advantage over the one or two if they could help it. They're they're not so worried about maybe a two having an advantage over a one. Because at that point, you know, it's kind of just a crapshoot of who gets placed in which regions. But if they can avoid something like a three being in the South, being really close to home over a one seed in Arizona, who's out West, they're going to do that if they can, if they can find a way to make it work. Uh, so, I will say, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I will say, and, and shout out to, I actually just got done recording with, with Chris Lovell of Radio Sports. He brought up a great point. For, for Tech out West, eerily similar to the 2019 run, which was also in the West region, which also had Gonzaga as the top seed, uh, eerily, also as a three seed, eerily, eerily similar to that region. So I'm actually I, – I obviously, we wanted the South region because you get a chance to be in San Antonio. And I do think actually Arizona being the one in the South region, they're going to pack it out as well because for Arizona, actually, I think their trip to San Antonio isn't much further than the trip that they would have to make to San Francisco. So, like, the distance isn't a huge gap for Arizona. So, I think they'll pack it out quite a bit. Um, but uh, the fact that it is eerily similar to 2019, I'll take it. So, Alfie, since you're on here, let's get you – let's talk about this. Stack with the three seed. I love where they're set up. Um, I'm sorry, Montana State. Not going to happen. Um, Alabama is inconsistent as absolutely can be. If you get them – or <laughs> we talked about Rutgers and Notre Dame. Cool. Um Duke, I think Tech matches up well with Duke if they if that's who a potential matchup like Sweet Sixteen matchup is. Um, I I don't think anyone's going to take out Gonzaga. I'll, I think Arkansas is good enough that if they played at their absolute best, they could they can give Gonzaga a run. Like I do think for Texas Tech, this is a this is a very friendly situation to make the Elite Eight and potentially get back to the Final Four again. Yeah, I mean on paper. Alabama should give us problems on paper, like on paper, they're pretty athletic team. They're, they're um, actually speaking of Arkansas. I, I think they're actually very similar in that aspect. Like Alabama should give us problems on paper. However, you talk about their inconsistency, especially offensively and being a, a inconsistent offensive team against the best defense in the country is going to be a problem. Not only that Alabama talk about limping into the tournament. They've lost three straight. They're probably right now the team that is, that has limped into the tournament the, in the worst situation. Not only lost three straight, they lost four of the last six. They're, they're just not a, a solid team right now. They're not the same team earlier in the year that beat Gonzaga in Houston. They're more like the team that lost to Georgia later on. So, like, that Alabama team is more – I'm actually – and, again, I haven't filled up my bracket, but I'm probably picking them to lose in the first round against either Rutgers or Notre Dame. Um, so, that's – I just – that – Bama team does not it's on paper they should beat they should not beat us but on paper they should worry me they just simply don't um yeah Montana State it's a really a really bad matchup for them against Tech I don't think I actually don't even think that it's going to be too close in, in that game um and so that gives us to the Sweet 16 and as someone who grew up a Duke fan I love Coach K man would it be great for Tech to virtually end his career of all teams right like of all schools to end Coach K's career it's little old Texas Tech out in West Texas. That'd be fantastic. And uh, I just, at this point, pray somebody can beat Gonzaga because that is going to be a tough, 
tough matchup. I know we played him earlier in the season. We were okay in it in the game. I mean, they they but that's I think this team is better than we were when we played Gonzaga earlier in the season. I don't know if we're that much better because <laughs> Gonzaga was the team that when we played them looked like a better team. Um, and today, as we speak, I still think they're the better team, and I think it's going to be really tough to beat them to go to the Final Four. That being said, in 2019, I thought the same thing. 2019, I thought Gonzaga was the better team then, and Tech still beat them. So, you know, who knows? Yeah, I will say, I'll be – I'm – Oh, I would say I'm I'm a little jealous that Texas Tech has the chance to be the one to end Coach K's career instead of Kansas. You know the way that they've played Duke in the tournament the last few times. But uh, no, I I actually was was talking about this over on our podcast over on the Rock Talk podcast. Um, you know about the tournament and the way everything broke out and like looking at what Texas Tech does. Like the only way that the the Texas Tech defense doesn't make a gigantic impact in the game they're playing is if you get an offense that can force Tech to play at the pace that offense wants to play. So like Kansas, the way that they did that in the Big 12 title, I think Gonzaga is one of the few teams in the nation that could theoretically dictate the pace, which is what you have to do in order to get past the Texas Tech defense. I don't see anyone else in that bracket other than potentially Gonzaga that can force Texas Tech to change the pace at which they play defense, which is a huge advantage for you guys, which is going to give you guys an opportunity, I think, to make a huge run. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because we, we wanted a two seed this whole time and, and Tony gave it to us by giving us Duke. So that's a, so, so like, yeah, I think it's, I, I think with, <laughs> I had to make that joke real quick. I, um, at looking at Gonzaga as a potential elite eight matchup, they, there's a few things that scare me. Chet Homeron's gotten better as the year goes on and he's just a scary guy in general. Last time we played, we were able to limit Drew Timmy. Um, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that twice even as good as this defense is um, just Gonzaga, man, they're just a scary team. Like luckily they don't have Jalen Suggs. So that's great. But like they're, I'd argue that they're probably better defensively. Th- not even probably they are better defensively this year than they were last year. Um, and not only that talking about dictating the pace, they're a team that actually plays really good in the half court too. So like, it's not even a situation where I think if tech was to try to want to slow them down and not have them get up they're they're, just as good in the half court as they are going up and down. So it's, it, you know, Gonzaga, I think what you kind of hope at this point for Gonzaga is that the fact that they've been playing in a weaker conference for the last two months slows them down. But this is also a team that has learned over the years how to fix that, right? Because early on when Gonzaga was consistently making the tournament, they they were out early, early, early all the time because they were, it was just so hard for them to get up the level of competition they're about to see. But uh, they've done a really good job lately of of they're so they're in the tournament so much that they know what to do when they get to this position. And so I it's 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 going to be really tough for Tech to Tech to be able to go up against Gonzaga. But again, Gonzaga's not going to they're not they wouldn't have seen a defense like Tech's defense. And Tech's defense last time we played Gonzaga wasn't this good, right? Like it took a while. We we've, we've talked I've talked I think I've talked to both of y'all about this. It took a while for Tech's defense to get where it is today and when we played Gonzaga last time it wasn't this good so even this will be the first time Gonzaga's really played a defense like this all season and so you're hoping that that plays the Texas event uh on Duke uh based off the way Coach K's season has final season has been going by the way it's his final season if you weren't aware uh they're either gonna lose in the first round or the national championship game on Tech you know up to a point that Jamie made earlier on about Big 12 defenses and the physicality at which the Big 12 plays defense 
and sometimes that's a problem when they get to the tournament. That is my one big concern for Texas Tech in the first couple of rounds is do they get into a situation where the refs whistle, get whistle happy because they're not used to calling a team like Texas Tech who plays as physical as they do. Uh, look, they've been here before, so it's not like people aren't familiar of how, with how play, Tech plays defense, but I do think it is one thing to keep an eye on because you just never know what kind of refs you're going to end up with. See, Philip, I heard that as you just got to be careful how often they're going to buy the flops of charges, but I'll just, I'll just leave it. <laughs> well played, well played. <laughs> All charges are flops. Either get rid of the rule or or, live, or abide by it. Not when Gabe both a boy and takes them. Okay. Um, if you're in Fort Worth or had the chance to get to Fort Worth, you can watch both Baylor and Kansas. I'm not sure how exciting those games, especially not the first round games, uh, are really going to be. I, I am like. I, Kansas is going to get to play Cray- Creighton's finally get to play Kansas. I know Kansas tends to avoid them like the plague. They don't ever want to play them, kind of like Wichita State. But Baylor, okay, everyone that I was listening to. Wait, wait, wait. They played Creighton in the regular season like last year. Did it they? was either last year or is the year Wich- before. Okay, so yeah. it's Wichita State you guys avoid. Wichita State they don't want to play because because the Shockers are just annoying. And and especially especially the coach that they had previously, who I am not going to name his name because of how much of an ass he actually is. But – um, like when, when he was the coach and how most shocker fans are, like they feel like they're entitled to play the Jayhawks. Of course the Jayhawks aren't going to play them just to, you know, grind their gears. I'm sure if you guys had a rival or I'm sorry, a wannabe rival as annoying as that, you probably would do the exact same thing if you had the opportunity. So. <laughs> See, Brandon gets it. Uh, I'm, I feel like Kansas is a pretty comfortable get straight to the Sweet 16. Everyone's been talking about Baylor and the potential matchup with North Carolina in the second round. North Carolina's a you know, hot team. They're playing well. Like, I don't know that I buy that all that much. My, my big thing for Baylor is more like, how healthy are they? Like, uh, they have been able to, to win down the stretch, win the Big 12 regular season, get to the, the uh, blah, 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 not get to the championship game. Point is, Baylor's played well, but Baylor's been so inconsistent in large part because of the injuries that they've been dealing with. So I, I'm just curious, like, how healthy is Baylor? Like, I that's them and Texas are the two teams I am most intrigued by how they perform in the NCAA tournament. Like, I'm, I want to see every Big 12 team do well, obviously, blah, 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 all that aside. Like, I'm just – I'm interested to see how healthy is Baylor um, because, look, I, they played with – you know, one arm tie behind their back a lot with a lot of the injuries they've been dealing with. We, we give Scott Drew a ton of credit for that. I think that's in large part why he won Big 12 Coach of the Year from the coaches. This is the tournament now. Like, can they keep this up? Can they keep this run going? I like their chances, but I'm just really curious. I, look, I, like Marquette, St. Mary's, went UCLA is interesting. They didn't get the easiest path with North Carolina and UCLA and Kentucky is their two seed, and Purdue is their three. Like, I, that one, two, three, four is challenging. And I'm, I'm just – I have a hard time saying if Baylor's not with as many guys as they can, as close to 100% as they can be, I'm not putting them in the Final Four. Yeah, I think for me it's the, – the, the two biggest issues are North Carolina in that second game because you are dealing with the health. I think that's where the health is going to be the biggest deal. Right, is 
playing out of conference against a team like North Carolina that can get as hot as they were able to get against Duke. Um, you know, it's so like, I think that that's potentially an issue for them. And then if they can get, if they can get to the elite eight, playing a, a team that's as athletic as Kentucky without being at full strength is going to be a real problem for Baylor. I mean, I think what, what potentially could help Baylor out quite a bit is that Kentucky's guards in uh, Wheeler and Washington have been extremely inconsistent this year. They're either on and absolutely killing it like they were against Kansas, or, you know, they are bad enough that you can almost get upset by a team like Vandy and you can lose badly as they did to Tennessee, you know, even though they made that run at the end, like that was a game that was a lot further apart than the final score actually indicated. And so Kentucky is the team that I'd be worried the most about if I'm a Baylor fan, because I don't really know, you know, how you're going to match up with them dealing with the injury issues that you have been dealing with. So uh, I, I was actually kind of hoping that Matt would be here so that he could talk a little bit about Baylor and how they're feeling kind of going in, because I think that's the team that I'm the most worried about that has the potential to make a deep run, but could get upset early strictly because of injury issues. Yeah, I agree. Um, look, I, I know everyone's talking Kentucky, Kentucky, Kentucky. Like, they're inconsistent. Purdue doesn't play deep. Like, could Purdue beat Kentucky? Like, ah, they don't play defense, but their offense is good enough. They could. Like, they're inconsistent too, but, I mean, that's obviously something that happened. There was a lot of hype about UCLA coming in. Can barely get past UCLA to get to the Elite Eight. Like, I'm – Baylor's – the East is difficult, and Baylor's path – to the final four and to repeating as national champs is very difficult. I, I don't think they do it this year. I just, I don't think you can with the injuries that they're dealing with, but I, that's why I'm so interested. Uh, Texas opening against Virginia tech. Look, I, I know we talked about uh, conference championships. I don't like to put too much credence into, well, they, they got really hot and they won their conference championship. Um, we've seen plenty of times where that has mattered Oregon state last year. And we've seen plenty of times where that didn't happen where they won their net championship. They were on a hot run and they get to the tournament and they didn't do anything. They, they got blown out in the, the first game. So like, I don't want to put too much of that with Virginia tech. My thing for Texas is I'm really interested in how they look in those first two games. Chris Beard was hired because of what he did in the NCAA tournament. He continues to not do anything in Kansas city. Texas has been up and down this year. Like this feels like a Texas tech team that, has to do something or this is and i don't even know that one win is enough here but they have to get a win or this season is massively disappointing and i get that it's year one for chris beard i understand that he's going to be there for a while in theory but like i think there's a lot of pressure on this week on this 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 opening game for texas yeah i mean i i have to agree i think that texas is probably the team that has the most pressure on them in all of the 12 especially for that opening one, because of what happened last year, because like you said, you know, Beard coming in was directly a result of the upset that happened last year. And and I don't think that really the committee did them any favors. Virginia Tech is a hot team for sure. I also think they actually match up fairly well to what Texas is able to do. And I have questions about Texas's consistency themselves. Like they are a team, we saw them jump out to a fantastic lead against TCU. And the, the collapse that they had in the Big 12 tournament was – just as much, if not more, I think on Texas letting up than it was TCU making a huge drastic comeback and you're really forcing the issue. Again, not trying to take anything away from TCU, but I do think that Texas is the, is the team that this year, just as much as last year, has shown 
that they're not really that consistent from game to game or even inside of a single game. And that has me worried if I'm a Texas fan. That has me also wondering the fact that, you know, yet another coach, and, and, and I, I do agree with you, it is the first year under Chris Beard. So, you know, it takes a while to make a lot of changes to a lot of different things. But the fact that this sort of thing is persisting and we're kind of in the same situation, you know, this year as we were last year, except you don't have a Big 12 tournament title to, to show for it. Um, like, that has me worried if I'm a Texas fan that, like, what is it going to take for us to get past this to where we are getting those wins in the NCAA tournament that we should be getting? Um, like, that, there is a ton of pressure on this game. If Texas does not win this game, I wonder how the fans react to it. I wonder how the administration reacts to it. And I wonder if it puts a sour note on the Chris Beard tenure as a uh, TCU will open up against Seton Hall in an 8-9 matchup with the winner moving on to likely face Arizona, who, good grief. Arizona's got a nice situation in the South region there. Um TCU and Seton Hall, I mean, it's, it's the most 8-9 matchup you can ask for. You go to Ken Palm, Seton Hall is ranked 35th, TCU is ranked 38th. Uh, adjusted offense for Seton Hall, 75, TCU, 80. Adjusted defense for Seton Hall, 26, TCU, 24. Like, I, obviously, the Big East is not the Big 12, but it is a really good conference for men's basketball, like, so it's not something where you're like, well, it's Seton Hall. They don't really play any. And then, uh, Big East is solid. That is a really solid conference. Uh, there's a reason the Big 12 and the Big East have their little cross-conference rivalry every year. And I think the Big East won it again this year. I have to go back and look. I don't remember that was months ago. Um, it's an interesting matchup. TCU never played Seton Hall before. Like, I just – TCU's been playing well down the stretch. And if I, if I have to pick it right now, like I think I'll pick TCU over Seton Hall. But this is just kind of one of those, hey, it would be really nice for TCU as, as, as good a season as they've had with, the, with everything going on with the wins and, and the ranked wins and making the tournament. I mean, I think a win for them is a positive and a nice showing against Arizona. I think Arizona is going to win the South. So I'm not going to pick TCU to be, go beyond round one or round, yeah, round one. But I mean, I think for TCU, this is an opportunity for them to get a win and put a nice cap on what has been a really good season for the Home Frogs. I mean, I'm finding myself, uh, or I'd say I find myself falling into a similar sort of trap where I, I think I've created a thought about a particular team that is hard for me to get out of, especially when it comes to tournament time. And and the fact that Arizona, uh, Kerr Kreese, I believe is how you say his name, got injured, you know, in the, in the semifinal uh, game. And then like, there is a real question about whether he is actually going to be back. They were able to overcome the loss of him, you know, in that title game against UCLA, but I am worried for Arizona, you know, if they have, or if they're without him for any length of time, or if he's not effective when he comes back, because yes, they have a lot of stuff, but I do think that, that TCU is a team that if they can get to that game, I don't know why it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Every time I say it out loud, I'm like, are you an idiot? Why do you keep thinking this? But I just get a feeling that TCU is like the best opportunity for us to get a, you know, nine, eight upset over a one this year. Um, maybe it's because I've been watching way too much big 12, or maybe there's just, I don't know, something that I've seen with the way the TCU's played Kansas, you know, the, the two times in the regular season to end the season. I'm not really sure what it is, but for some reason, I just have a sneaking suspicion 
that that game for TCU versus Arizona is going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think it is, and that that the TCU, and that the Horn Frogs might even have an opportunity to actually pull the upset, which I know is going to make Melissa very very happy to hear me say that. Although she'll probably call me just as crazy as you're about to, Philip. I'm worried about like sleep deprivation or alcohol consumption. I'm just Andy. I'm a little bit worried about you right now. Um, look, TCU. Could, we've seen this is the NCAA tournament. Like we we finally saw a 16 upset a one. Anything can absolutely happen. Oregon State went to the Elite Eight last year and they won three games this year. Anything can happen. Okay, it, it, anything literally at this point now can actually happen. Uh, Iowa State. You know, committee, I don't think you could have done Iowa State a bigger favor. Obviously, they get the 11th seed, and had they not performed as poorly in Big 12 play as they had, they, they would have liked to have been a higher-seeded team. I was expecting something closer to a, a 9 or a 10, but they get the 11. And they don't just get the 11. They get a matchup with number 6-seed LSU, who just relieved Will Wade of his duties because the, with the NCAA uh, notice of allegations that was handed down, they could finally do so without having to pay him a nickel. Um, so LSU will not have their head coach. I believe the guy who is filling in has had head coaching experience. I think that's what I heard. I don't remember. Forgive me for not spending a bunch of time looking at LSU men's basketball or LSU anything. Um, I think this sets up for an Iowa State team that, based off the way they have played this year, can either lose in the first round or make a run to the Sweet 16. Yeah, sorry. I didn't realize I had myself muted. Um, not only did they do them a favor in giving them LSU and a, and, you know, and, a, and a team that's dealing with all of the issues with Will Wade being fired, um, but the three seed they gave them was Wisconsin, which, to be honest, like, if I look at their resume, I can kind of understand why Wisconsin got a three seed, but Wisconsin doesn't feel like a three seed to me when I look at them. And, you know, you go over to their Ken Palm profile, they're 34 in Ken Palm, which that is ridiculously low for a three seed. I, I I don't have the time to actually go back and I didn't get an opportunity to go back and look for each, you know, in each year, but I don't think there's ever been a three seed that's been lower in Ken Palm going into the tournament than Wisconsin is this year. Um, and so like, I'm really interested to see if Iowa state gets past LSU. I actually think that the way that they play defense matches up fairly well against the way that Wisconsin likes to play. Now, Wisconsin is going to have the advantage obviously of the crowd because they're really not that far away from, the location that they'll that they're going to be playing but it is one of those things where iowa state's not as far away as some of the teams potentially that could have been there so they are going to have a lot of support you know i was listening to the wide right natty, natty light people and it sounds like iowa state fans are expected to travel really well um so you know at best maybe it's going to be like a 60 40 wisconsin you know crowd advantage there and if iowa state can get any sort of run in there you can do anything to kind of lock down like, that's the kind of team that Iowa State would need to make a run to the Sweet 16. So you're right that, like, the committee did them a lot of favors in giving them LSU, but I think they did them an even bigger favor by giving them Wisconsin as their potential three. Uh, to your Ken Fawn point, Wisconsin is actually further away from the next lowest rated three seed. Purdue is ranked 14th in Ken Palm. Wisconsin is 34th in Ken Palm. Wisconsin is further away from Purdue in Ken Palm than they are Iowa State. They're just 14 spots higher than Iowa State, 20 spots lower than Purdue. Yeah, I don't. Well, and you look at the raw number ranking as well. Like Iowa State is, what, let me see, like 1.6 points lower in terms of the adjusted efficiency margin, whereas getting up yeah. to the next three seed, that's like a seven, almost a seven-point difference in Purdue. So it's like there is a gigantic gap both in ranking 
and also just the number um, from where, you know, Iowa State could have been matched up with. Big Big Ten bias. Screw it. Big Ten bias. Like, let's just let's just call it what it is. They're 24th in the net. Like, LSU's the 6th, they're 18th. I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't understand Wisconsin as a 3. That none, of the, none of the data that is available to us that we can pull up and look at explains Wisconsin as a three seed. That's fine, whatever. Um, if you're looking for a, a, a one, two, three, or four seed to get upset early, based on off of this, Wisconsin is right for Heck, Iowa State may get past LSU and not even have to face Wisconsin. Maybe they'll face a tube of toothpaste. Who knows? Yes, it's a cold day. <laughs> I am a dad. I'm allowed to make stupid jokes like that. Um, so let's see. We've talked a little Kansas. We talked Baylor, Iowa State, uh, Texas, Texas Tech, and TCU. That's everybody. Okay, I think that's about it. Um, Andy, you know, one thing I will say. I haven't. I listened in. Yeah. I listened in on a Big East uh, Twitter Spaces afterwards because I was trying to get some perspective because the fact that you know Kansas could potentially play Providence um, and Creighton in those first two rounds, and or I'm sorry, the 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 second round and then the Sweet Sixteen. And I thought it was absolutely hilarious to hear them talking about how, you know, a team in Kansas as the one seed in the region could theoretically have to go through the gauntlet of Big East defenses that is Creighton and Providence. And I had to hold my tongue to not try to request to get on there just to laugh at them for the length of time that I thought would have been appropriate. One, because I think I would have gotten blocked easily. But I just find it kind of ridiculous that there are still national media people that do not recognize just how strong defensively this conference has been this year. Um, and how great the Big 12 as a whole. It, it definitely ties into the Big 10 bias. I think the fact that the Big 10 is getting such a big bump from a lot of people has a ton of other conferences feeling like they are completely underappreciated. Um, you know, the Big East, I think, is one of them. Yes, they're a solid conference, but I, I do find it ridiculous the way that other conferences have inflated themselves to try to compete with a Big 10 that we all, I think, can re- recognize is getting... Um, a lot of bias from the committee that they don't necessarily. Can't disagree with you there, man. Do not disagree with you there. Um, all right. I think this is a good place to wrap. Obviously we're going to keep talking about the, the, the tournament as it commences. Um, we do have bracket challenges through ESPN for both men's and women's. If you want to fill out a bracket through ESPN, the men's bracket and women's bracket, you can find our group 10, 12 network. We will have groups for both in or in. We will have prizes for the winners of both brackets and maybe if i'm feeling real genuine, we'll give away a prize for second place um just make sure that we can find out who you are i've had contests like this and can't ever figure out who the winner was because we couldn't get in contact information so our dms on twitter are are open at 1012 network ten the number 12 the word network 1012 podcast at gmail.com is a good way to contact us that's ten the number 12 word podcast uh make sure you visit 1012network.com i'm throwing a lot at you here but 1012network.com you can find all 11 shows in the 1012 network we are of course the podcast network that covers the big 12 i want to thank everybody who came on tonight whether just to listen or to talk to join us Uh, this is our first live show experience we might do this again uh, down the line which is a lot of fun once we get past the technical difficulties andy thank you harry thank you uh, i see peter and chad listening right now thank you uh, i think we've had one guest on the whole time it doesn't tell us who uh, that person is but thanks for listening you guys enjoy your night uh we will of course be back on wednesday this week we'll have our, our midweek episode on wednesday instead of thursday so we don't have to get it up in the morning of games 
Um, don't ask me what it's going to be because if I tell you, it won't happen. So you'll just have to tune in on Wednesday and find out. Podcast Network.